the church has allowed me for a little over a year now to be involved in a group called Macedonian Ministries. It's a three-year uh, group um, that uh, meets in Watford City with other pastors, and uh, we meet monthly and mentor each other, and, and we go through a curriculum together. And um, we're looking forward to, in May, um, going to Israel together and uh, looking, looking at Israel and learning uh, about that, um, that country and where Jesus went and all those kind of things. We met uh, this past week on Wednesday again for our monthly meeting, and one of the questions that came up was, uh, was this, what kind of layperson does our church want to send out into the world? What kind of layperson does our church want to send out into the world? And that was just, it was one of those questions, as soon as I heard it, I said, wow, that's a great question. And the uh, pastor next to me looked at me and said, yeah, you're right. <laughs> and um, so we went around, we, we talked about that for a while, and, and um, my answer um, was more clear than it probably would have been in any of the times uh, in the last 20 years. Um, but I, you know, I really want to see us uh, send out people who are passionate about Jesus, who really love God's word, whose lives are full of holiness and integrity and character, and that people, when they see us, they just can count on the fact that we are going to be people of a character, people of integrity. Uh, living lives that please God in the midst of whatever circumstances we're in, and then a people who are focused, have a practice of focused generosity. We can't meet all the needs that are out there, but we we pick and choose the needs that maybe God is mostly designed for us to meet, and we make a difference uh, in those one or two areas where we can make a difference. And so then, then the next question that came up, and we didn't talk about this very much, and I was kind of glad because I didn't have an answer for it. <laughs> and that is this, is how do we structure the church to send people, that, those kind of people, out into the world? Um, and, and that's something that I need to give considerable thought and prayer to. Um, and, and really, as I thought more about that, and Priscilla, the, the screen back here is not on. Um, and that would help me a lot this morning. Thank you. Um, prayer is one of the keys to that. If we're not praying, chances are we're not accomplishing those four things. Um, we're going to miss the market. If we're not praying, I probably do. am not very passionate about Jesus. I've lost the passion. Um, I'm probably also not being in the Word of God like I should be. I'm probably losing some of those, the characteristics, the holiness, the intent to live a life that pleases God all the time. Um, and I'm probably not, I may be still generous, but I may be not listening to God and getting direction from him on where he wants me to be generous in my life. And so as I, as I, I talked to you this morning, I really want to talk to you about prayer. And I want to preface that with two comments. First of all, um, this message is not going to seem very well put together. And that's because it's not. <laughs> so just face that up front. Um, it's going to seem like a collection of comments about prayer, and that's kind of what it is. 
And, uh, but I'm hoping that at the end, as we go through the series, or, or the, the message this morning, that you'll grab a hold of one thing that was for you this morning from God's Spirit, and, and that will be different for all of you. But look for that one nugget that helps you uh, in your prayer life. Secondly, I just want to tell you, I, I am not a model of prayer. That, that is one, not a strong point in my life, and it's, it's one that needs to be. But I cannot stand before you and, and preach on, but I, I can preach on prayer better than I can pray. Um, <laughs> so that's, that's where I'm at. Um, I don't pray enough. I don't pray well. I haven't arrived there. But I look forward to the day and I press on um, to the day when God makes me um, a good pastor who prays well in secret. Um, I want to see that day come. The first thing that I want to share with you this morning is um, from John chapter 15, verses 7 through 8. And I'm going to need to turn around. Our TV just is not going to work today. Um, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Wow. Those are some tremendous words. And and the first thing it shows us about prayer is that prayer is grounded, number one, in abiding and remaining in Jesus. If we lose sight of Jesus in our lives, prayer is will not be what it should be in our life. If you and I can become one with the Lord Jesus Christ, so that there is nothing between us and Him, then we have a foundation for prayer that will happen in our life. We will get to the place, if we become one with Jesus, and Jesus is is, uh, what our life is really all about, As soon as something happens in our life, he's going to be the one that we want to run and talk to about it. Now, the fact is, most of us have other people that we want to run to right away because they're tangible, (laughs) you know, um, and all of that. But Jesus wants to become such a real part of our life that when something happens in our life, our first response is, I want to talk to him about God wants us to get to that place where we remain in Him. Oswald Chambers says, Think of the last things you prayed about. Were you more devoted to getting those things you asked for than you were to getting to God? Are you more interested in using prayer to get something from God? Or are you mostly praying because you just want to know God? And have a relationship with him. He goes on. He says the idea of prayer is not in order to get answers from God. Prayer is perfect and complete oneness with God. If we pray because we want answers. We will get huffed with God. (laughs) Now huffed is not a word we use a lot anymore. um, But you and I will get frustrated with God. Because if, if that's the reason we pray. Just to get answers. What God wants us is to be so in tune with Him that our motivation for prayer is just to have a relationship 
Secondly, the second foundation for good prayer is found in his words remaining in us. That's not about becoming a Bible scholar. It's not about um, taking in five chapters of the Bible every day in your life. But it is about digesting and soaking in nourishment from God's Word and putting it into practice. Nutritionally, it's helpful to us if we can digest food in such a way that our bodies are able to absorb all the nutrients we need. Spiritually, the same thing is true as a foundation for prayer. You and I need to be in the Word of God and we need to be able to take it in in such a way that we digest it enough so that there is a foundation for talking and praying to God. Um, It's really about taking what we read in the Bible and being able to use that in our prayer life. Now, Oswald Chambers again, the last quote from him I think this morning, we do not suffer in this life because we do not pray. The life of God is what suffers in us because we do not pray. It's not so much, I mean, a lot of times we as Christians have, have a guilt complex because, well, I feel guilty because I haven't prayed and I have been there many times. What I ought to realize is because I haven't prayed, God's activity in my life is what suffers. I haven't suffered that much. It's just that God's activity in my life has suffered when I haven't prayed. Prayer is the way the life of God is nourished in us. So when you and I are entwined with God, uh, that he says, then ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. When you and I have become so one with God that our desires begin to be his desires and his desires begin to be our desires, that pretty much has stripped out all the selfishness of our prayers, all the wrong motives in our prayers that James talks about, and pretty soon what we're praying for are things that God is already on board with anyway. <laughs> pretty easy for uh, what, what Jesus says here to be true in our life um, when we're already on track with God's will and God's purposes uh, when we pray. Ask whatever you wish and it will be given for you. And then John goes on And he tells us what God's will and his purpose is. And that is that God is honored and glorified. God the Father is honored and glorified in whatever setting you are in. No matter what you are going through, God's primary will for you and for your life is not to eliminate the hardships. God's primary will for your life is that in the hardships, God the Father is honored and glorified. We want to move God to make our lives better as we perceive them. God wants us to get to the point in prayer that our primary concern is not to eliminate hardships. 
He wants us to get to the point where our primary concern is in the midst of everything we're going through that somehow our lives will bring glory and honor to God in the midst of it. Secondly, that our life will bear fruit. That you and I, somehow there will be good come out of everything we're going through and that, that God himself, regardless of all the other stuff, is going to produce fruit in each one of us and through us. And then this last thing, that others, when they see us, will connect us with Jesus. Because of the way we have lived and conducted ourselves. That's a big thing. That's God's will. That when people see me, that they won't connect me with (laughs) a bad attitude I had. (laughs) or this or that or something else, but somehow over the course of time, people will see me and they'll say, here's a person that's been with Jesus. And I'm not there yet. I I know that, but I know some of the old timers that I buried my first couple years here in this church. And I want to tell you, friends, those were people, you, you ran across them And you knew those were people who had been with Jesus. (laughs) And I hope that someday I get there. (laughs) I want to be like that. I'm going to switch gears here and really mess things up. And I want to talk to you about Martin Luther for a little bit this morning. Martin Luther, back in the 1500s, had a barber who was a very, very good friend of his. His name was Peter um, Beskerdorf. And Peter, one day, as Martin Luther was cutting his hair and uh, probably shaving him too, asked him to provide some practical guidelines on how to prepare for prayer. Martin Luther left and thought about that for a while and wrote a treatise it's about uh, single-spaced, 11 pages long in English. Um, he would, of course, have written it in German. And uh, that was published in 1535. And then now it's been translated and titled and printed as A Simple Way to Pray. Uh, it's still not all that simple reading, but nonetheless. Um, it, it has a lot of great stuff in it. Now, you and I often hear this acronym or are encouraged to pray according to the ASK acronym um, or ACTS acronym. And uh, A stands for adoration and C stands for confession and T stands for thanksgiving and S for supplication or asking. So I start prayer by asking or or by adoring God uh, for who he is. C, confessing my sins. T, thanking God for what he has done in my life. And S, asking God for things uh, that um, our world needs uh, and that we see um, we need or our family needs and those kind of things. Martin Luther had a different acronym. It doesn't make a word when it's translated into English. 
but here it is, and it's a little bit different. Um, ITCP, I for instruction, and, and so he, he suggested this. I've never heard this before in prayer. I use this way. But he says we ought to go to God when we pray and talk to God about what we think God is teaching us. Talk to God about what I'm learning from what I read in the scripture. Or maybe even tell God that, God, I'm just totally confused by this scripture. (laughs) But we converse with God about what we are learning. Secondly, he says, T for Thanksgiving, what am I thankful for that flows out of what I have read in the scripture or what I'm seeing in my life? Uh, Thirdly, confession, for what do I need forgiveness? And then uh, the last one, P, petition, what is needed? What do I see around me that is what is needed? And I want to ask God for that. And and Luther used that um, manual that he wrote um, to walk through the Lord's Prayer, to walk through the Ten Commandments, to walk through the Apostles' Creed using that scripture. And he suggested that any time we read the scripture, we go back to this after we're done reading the scripture and talk to God from that text about all of those kind of things. So I want to go back to the text that we talked about earlier from John and just give you a sample of doing that from there. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now, every one of us would do this different. And that would be most appropriate for us to do it different. But for me, as I was to look at that text, one of the things I'm learning or learn from this text is that, man, I probably need to do a better job of maybe taking less in and digesting it better. Maybe, you know, God really wants me to get, make sure that I get nourishment out of what I read. And sometimes that might be by taking less or really focusing. I'm going through my one-year Bible, and I maybe really, though I read it all, I maybe need to sit and meditate and really digest a small portion of what I read um, this morning and really take that to heart and try to get some nourishment out of that. So I'm going to talk to God about that. Um, Secondly, man, I can be so thankful... That God, the holy God, even allows me to abide and remain in him. And that's, as I look at that text, that's what I'm thankful for. That God allows me, (laughs) to hang out with him. (laughs) Wow. And then confession. I confess that people see my selfish nature way more than they see Jesus. And so that needs to change in my life. And petition, I need to become one with Jesus. I need to let that become a focus in my life. Well, here's some other, here's some other insights that Martin Luther shares from that little treatise. Uh, first, a person who forgets what he has said has not prayed well. If you pray... And two minutes when you're done praying, two minutes later, you can't remember anything you talked to God about. You probably didn't really pray. 
you rambled. You were able to check it off, I prayed today, on your to-do list. But you didn't really pray. And Martin Luther says that, that you and I need to get to that point where, where we really know, we're passionate, we, we take to God um, what's important to us. So um, I'm, I'm going to go to the next one here because it relates to this. So a good attentive barber, and he's talking to his barber here, and he says, a good attentive barber keeps his thoughts and energy and everything he's doing focused on cutting that hair. He's not trying to carry on a conversation with somebody in another chair or somebody coming in the door and all of that, and pretty soon he's, you know, uh, shaving off an ear or cutting his throat or something else, you know. Uh, He doesn't do that. He stays focused on what he's doing. Um, So he says, Thus, if anything is to be done well, it requires the full attention of all of one's senses and members. As the proverb says, He who thinks of many things thinks of nothing and does nothing right. How much more does prayer call for concentration and singleness of heart if it is to be a good prayer? Now, friends, I I simply want to tell you, God is more interested in 30 seconds, in a 30-second prayer that you are passionate about, that is where you are right now, than he has 30 minutes of rambling and, and trying to say, well, I prayed for 30 minutes. God wants you to pray on something that is touching your heart and your life and something that is important to you, something that you can focus on, something that you can walk away from and know what you prayed about. God wants that from us, and he's, he's not concerned about how long. He's concerned that it touches your heart, that you care about that, that thing that you are praying about. And then two other little comments that uh, I took from that little treatise. And he, he says, um, have a written scheme for prayer, the ITCP schematic. Have that, or the Acts, or whatever you use, or the Lord's Prayer. Um, however, um, he says, use something. But when the Spirit starts to lead in another direction, let go of it. Never be manipulated and controlled by something. But sometimes you and I will have those times when we need something just written out in front of us that will just help us pray. But when the Spirit takes over, let go of it and move on in a different direction. Now I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Some of you look at that quote and you're thinking, that never happens to me. (laughs) And others, that's frequent in your life. Some of that is because of the way God has wired and created and designed you. And you need not to concern yourself or feel guilty that you pray different than other people. God wants you to pray out of who you are and how God designed you. And for some of you, you will be more formal and structured and all of that in your prayer life. And others of you will be much more spirit-led, more emotional in your praying, and, 
And that is how God wired and how God designed you. And in this church, you should not all expect to pray the same way. You don't do anything else the same way. Why would you think that you would all pray alike? That's not going to happen. But you, you know, so if you need some structure, use it. And, and God honors that. He's not, he doesn't want you to come and pray in somebody else the way he designed someone else. God wants you to pray to him the way he wired, the way he designed you to pray, because that's who he, he's wanting a relationship with. You know, he, he doesn't want you to be someone else when you come to him. Be the way God wired you when you go to God. He wants the real you the one he created to come to him. And then notice this last quote. I just love it. Many a Christian will have recited the Lord's Prayer thousands of times and never have prayed once. (laughs) He's not saying there's anything wrong with the Lord's Prayer there, by the way. And... He's not saying that there aren't Christians who have prayed the Lord's Prayer, recited the Lord's Prayer thousands of times, who haven't prayed it every time. But don't get in the habit of just thinking because you have recited something that you have prayed. There is no truth to that. God wants us to really pray, to connect with Him and to talk to Him. And sometimes in prayer, in my life, I simply have to tell God, I'm really out of tune and I don't feel like praying. <laughs> I have a, I'm having a hard time getting anything to surface to even talk to God about. And sometimes that's what my prayer life consists of, you know. And then other times He just flows naturally and and all of that. I meet quite often uh, with Mert on Saturday nights, and and I I highly value that time of prayer with him, um, and. I value that because I, I just love listening to him pray. And there are some nights when I think, okay, we should just say amen when he's done because I have nothing to add. I have words aren't flowing at all. And then other weeks, they just flow. And sometimes you and I need to understand, okay, this is where I'm at today and not feel guilty about it, but you and I just need to be able to continue to walk in a relationship with God.